ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. He's a South Texan poppy poet living that hashtag middle class gay life. It's Chibi. And he's a West Side bird with a badass hoodie collection. It's Rooster. And this is Words and Shit. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Brought to you by Write Art Out. Chibi! Rooster! Hi! I see you shake your head in the background every time during that intro. I'm like, do you not have a badass hoodie collection? What's going on here? I feel terrible every time that the uh, words and shit intro says, you know, he has a badass hoodie collection. And then I come on here with no hoodie. Like, I feel like such a poser. It's also August, you know? Yes. In yes. Texas. Yeah. Um, but besides being a, a, a hoodie connoisseur, an mm. aficionado. You you are also a poet, um, yes, and I an am. organizer, <laughs> and a whole lot of other things. <laughs> First off, Chibi, how are you? How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. I'm chilling. I have devoted myself to nothing but like tank tops because the weather is disrespectful these and days. And you and your husband really keep your house on like 85 degrees. No. No, no. He keeps it at 74. I turn it up to 76. <laughs> See, I could never. No, Look, not in South Texas. You, you running up my lap bill, okay? <laughs> no, yeah, totally. I, I make special concessions every summer to like be understood. Like, yo, I'm about to pay a million dollars for AC because I don't want to die. This is true. This is yes. true. We just keep the doors closed, the fans on, and are naked. Often. There you go. Well, yeah. it's because you're multifaceted. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. Maybe you do. I am a Gemini. So, um, but we, we, you know, we, we were talking earlier and actually let's be real. We've been talking about this for a while now, just because you and I have multiple projects going on. Right. And are um, curators of spaces and, and organizers outside of this. And it is, uh, one of those things where, like, we admire the unsung heroes that are multifaceted poets because, like, poets be poeting out there in the world. But there's so much more that poets have to be doing behind the scenes to make the poetry happen. I mean, you know about this. You, you, you've been running Blah for, what are, what are we, nine years now? Something like that? Yeah, just about ten. And, no, absolutely, like... I completely agree with what you're saying. Like um, the way that we have to curate spaces, we create opportunities. So there's poets who are also have to be grant writers in order to acquire funding for projects, you know, small scale productions, large scale productions, neighborhood revitalization campaigns. It really begs the question, like, are we insane? <laughs> right, do we sleep? <laughs> do right. we have friends that are not also colleagues? I, I have yet to find the answers to this. And it's important that we ask these questions because today's poet is a dynamo of a creative, a dynamo of a, uh, you know, advocate and uh, uh, activist. A, yeah, a curator of spaces and, and a champion for people and poetry. Uh, so I'm so excited to dive in 
to uh, this conversation with our feature today. Lady Brian is an international spoken word artist, poetry coach, activist, organizer, educator, and the executive director of the Pennsylvania Avenue Black Arts and Entertainment District. She received her bachelor's in communication and culture from Howard University and her MFA in creative writing and publishing design from the University of Baltimore. During her slam career, she has won the 2016 National Poetry Slam, the 2017 and the 2019 Southern Fried Regional Slam, and the 2019 Rust Belt Regional Slam. Most recently, she became the Women of the World Poetry Slam champion and International Poetry Slam team champion in April of 2021. In 2018, she published a book and accompanying album called With My Head Unbowed. Lady Brian also serves as the board on the board for Do More Baltimore and as the cultural curator for a grassroots political think tank called Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle in Baltimore. Y'all, I see some of you already in the comment section utilizing it. Show some love in the comment section for our feature today. Lady Brian, welcome to the Words and Shit Studio. Hi, y'all. Hey. Hey. <laughs> How um so before we really get things started, um, first of all, thank you so much for being here. But as any uh, new guest to Words and Shit kind of finds out, we, we really use this space to get to know you really well and, and learn more about you. So we really consider you a friend. So before we start the show, just like we started off all shows, we want to check in and ask, how's your heart today, friend? Oh, my heart. My heart is full and well. Um, yeah, I'm feeling good. I just came back from vacation, and so my heart is actually in uh, Montego Bay. Um, so <laughs> that's where my heart is, but it's full. It is full and well. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. And your smile just lights up every room you walk oh. into. Uh, for those that don't know, it was her birthday last week. Hashtag Leo season. Leo season, yes. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll fucks with a Leo any day. Yes. Uh, well, we are so excited to have you and for you making the time. You you and I were talking earlier. We've been trying to get you on the show for a while, but uh, scheduling be a thing. You be out there doing the most. All over um, the place. So we are glad to finally have you uh, and dive into conversation. But before we do, we like to let the audience get to know you just a little bit, right? Okay. So we're going to start off with a game we like to call speed dating. Okay. okay, we're gonna ask you a series of questions. You feel free to answer them as succinctly or as in-depthly as you feel is necessary. Okay. Give us your answer, okay? Okay. So first question, you have touched a number of final stages across this country. What has been your favorite final stage moment? Hmm. Hmm. Favorite final stage moment. You know, I'm going to go with this year's WALPS final stage. Mm -hmm. um, it was a favorite moment for me because the year before, I also shared final stage with Ayana, who is the co-champion this year. Um, and so we already knew we were going into it with the rivalry. Like, we, mm. we, we were ready for it. And to think that when we get to final stage, we tied with a perfect 90, right? 30 mm. every round. Mm -hmm. I have never seen two black women tie with perfect scores on final stage. And so we already knew we weren't breaking that tie. We were going <laughs> to share the title. We were excited to do it. And that just was a 
really warm, wholesome moment. So I'm going to go with Wow's 2021. Okay, Snappy. Okay. Absolutely. Like, see, we it's it's so rare that we just get to, uh, a guest who can just be like, oh, yeah, final stage, perfect 30s, the whole way through, all 90s. <laughs> so it's lit. Um, if y'all don't know. <laughs> yes. Um, second question. What is your favorite thing about Baltimore? Ooh. Favorite thing about Baltimore. Um, it's going to be a tie for me. Okay. So one um, is the people. Like, I just love <laughs> Baltimore got some characters, y'all. Um, and I love it. I love being in community with people, all the different kind of people you meet, hang out with, like, that you can build a community with. So I'm going to go with the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, I'm going to go with the seafood, okay, because I am mm-hmm. a food lover. And the seafood up here, y'all, is unmatched. So, yes, crabs in the summertime, it's a thing. So, yeah, seafood and the people. We're going to talk more because, you know, I'm going to be there in October. And I love me some seafood. But okay. that's a whole other conversation. I'm, mm, it's going down. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of seafood, I ask every guest this question. What is your favorite food dish to eat? Ooh, hmm. Okay, another tie here. All right, so it's either gonna be crab dip. Mm. I eat way too much of that, or mac and cheese. Mm. Those are my favorite too. You know, they're both topped with cheese because cheese is actually my favorite food. But you know, you ask for a dish, so there's that. <laughs> How many cheese go into your mac and cheese? <laughs> so. <laughs> Are you good at making mac and cheese? Like, do you I have, gotta say, like, it's not. Do you have a place you go? I make it. Like, I need, oh, okay. I need one of my aunties or like my grandma to make it go. for it to be like right. But I feel like my aunt puts. I think she has like four cheeses that goes into hers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like a minimum. Like, a it's a minimum. Yeah. 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 It has to have some Gruyere in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so the last question that I have for you is you have been a very already accomplished poet in your own right, and you're brilliant and fantastic, but my question is, is there an award or accolade that you still want to achieve? What? Many. What? Is that the question? Um, <laughs> sure. So I'll, I'll go with one. Um, well, I guess I'll frame it like this. I think that I have made a lot of headway in the slam community, and I'm super proud of that. I love slam poetry, love spoken word. And I think my next set of goals really are in the literary side of, right, poetry community. So like, I would love to hold the position as a poet laureate. Or I would love to go out for one of the larger literary written awards, right? Um, and there are many, right, all across the nation. So that's, that's where I'm headed towards next. That's mm. awesome. That's awesome. I love that. And on this show, we definitely champion the people that are bridging that divide, that are deconstructing that divide and being like, no, but spoken word is literary work also. Literally. So, So, you know, we stand you. We're here for it. Uh, We will definitely celebrate when it happens. Not if, but when, because we know it's in the cards for you. So uh, for you all watching and listening, that was just a little taste of us getting into our conversation with Lady Breon. 
if you are watching with us live, I see we got Becca joining us from Milwaukee. I see Karen who says that she keeps her house at 66 in the nighttime. Nobody wants to stick to the couch. I feel you. That's why I have leather couches. Uh, yes, all of that. Hey, so if you are watching, I see Corey is in the audience, the core. Um, please make sure that you're using the comment section. Uh, we want you to be a part of this conversation. That is the reason that we have these uh, these shows live. So show some affirmations, interact, uh, ask your own questions. If you've got a question you want us to throw at Lady Brion, we will. Uh, you just got to put it in the comment section. But we're going to open up the show now that we've dipped our toes in the life of Lady Brion uh, with a little bit of poetry. If you can please just open us up with a poem and then yeah. we'll get into it. Let's do it. All right. So this poem um, is entitled Sugarcane Smile. My mama got a sugarcane smile. Southern sweetened iced tea, hint of lemon in her kiss. My mama loved me like home cooked meals. Slow roasted conversations. Leftovers in the corners of my mind like I remember. She gave me cheese curls like teething rings to place between my gums and satisfy my crying. She twizzler twisted my thick hair with globs of blue magic make me Sunday fresh. My skin hot fudge, she caramel at best. My mama got skin like raisin bran where moles decorate the flakes of her melanin. My mama cornbread and cola, candy yam and cabbage, banana pudding and cobbler. Food so good on the taste buds, it make her feet swell. She wobbles sometimes like the pendulums on grandma's clock that do tell time. Learning from all the times great grands was cooking for church's second service learn to praise god through baked mac and cheese and pray my daddy come home from the service but he dead and gone now and my mama in combat mode her body covered with infections like chocolate coated candies sugar level 501 which is to say she got stroke caught in between her teeth a1c 14 veins constricting then collapsing like salivating glands when you taste that cheesecake that's too rich and saccharine my mama so sweet it's sickening they had to cut cysts from out of her breast like she had cavities within her chest and i'm scared that if she don't water down the syrup in her spirit they will amputate her limbs and ligaments leaving her bitter to the taste all sour in the face where salty tears will replace the stars that twinkle and burst in my mama's iris my mom is hot cocoa with my soul grows cold from all the pain in this world all gummy bear dimples and a heart made of pecan swirls my mama got a crock pot type hug the type that fills the house with aroma my mama fill me up every time i'm around her my mama is a recipe passed down through generations and i just pray my children will have full plates before she is called to grace amen pray her eyes will not be candy wrappers shut before she ever has a chance to meet them but my mama she be stubborn like jawbreakers sometimes so i sit waiting making pools of apologies hoping she will forgive me enough to take care of herself because this ain't no candy lands child's play and though disease is hard for anyone to swallow this ain't no sugar pill placebo because we know diabetes it will not just go away and steal 
My mama be like, baby, everything gonna be okay. My mama with her smile made of sugar cane as I, I just can't help but fear her decay. Thank you. Mm. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. No, thank Sorry you about so my much. voice, y'all. My voice is also in Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> How you make me feel hungry and also question all my life choices at the same time. Like, right. uh, <laughs> so good, so good. For real, that poem like made me want to just go like keto like immediately and start taking healthier steps and eating my vegetables. And yes, because health be a thing. Health do, health do. I think while we're seeing all this beautiful, uh, just a lot of praise coming in through the comment section, I think Lady Breon is frozen. Technical difficulties aside, I hope this comes back. Love the creativity. I absolutely agree, Sean. Oh, Lady B. Oh, these things do happen. Yes. These things do happen. All right. And we talked about this earlier. She said it was raining pretty badly where she was at. And so uh, that that might affect what was happening. But if it happened to just drop off and jump back on and we're going to keep on keeping on. Um, I got questions that I ask her about all of this because that was a very Southern poem. Mm, You know? Uh, the the sweet tea is what really like topped it off for me because like people Actually, in the that's north, a good question. people in the north don't make sweet tea. They make tea and force you to put sugar. Well, in Well, it. it's weird because it's like there's parts of the north like Virginia that just might. Hold on, Lady B is back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry, y'all. No, you're totally cool. You're totally cool. Um, and then Chibi, you can just roll straight into the question all because right, all right, we were just talking about this because I had I got questions. We were celebrating your poem and all that, right? You made us hungry and also immediately want to start a keto diet. Um, <laughs> so I got questions though because that poem felt, in terms of the food references, hella southern. You know, and like what what cued me into this because we, we are both Southern boys here um, was the sweet tea reference, because in the North, I don't I don't they don't believe in sweet tea. They believe in tea that you then sweeten yourself, and yes. that is just blasphemy. That's so like I'm, <laughs> that's a crime. So I'm curious. You know, you're talking about your mother, and it has these very Southern Southern recipe uh, references to it. Like, what's the history there? You know, because you're in Baltimore, but like, what what yeah. tell us more about that? So a couple of things. One, um, I like to remind people that um, Baltimore is very much so like the northernmost southern city. So like it has a whole lot of southern tendencies as a city. Um, Also, um, my great grandmother, who's like the matriarch of our family, she's from Augusta, Georgia. So I also feel like there's a lot of influence there on my family in general. But yeah, like all those things that I was referencing was just Baltimore for me. Cause yeah, I know that you go to some places and there is no sweet tea. That's just not my experience. It's not my life. Um, (laughs) The the tea that we drink is a whole diabetic coma. So there's that on that. (laughs) I love it. So, okay. That, that, that Georgia kind of like influence. Definitely. I I see that. Okay. I will take it. I will take it. (laughs) You you are part of the Southern fried family for a reason. So, you know, come on home. (laughs) We got to fight for our, uh, you know, for our place there, but I feel like we belong. 
No, we just on the cusp. <laughs> um, kind of the question that your poem brought to mind is is because I've seen I've watched you perform at Southern Fried a number of times because Slamageddon goes hard and I got nothing but respect for y'all. Um, <laughs> and then also uh, because. I feel like you have very powerful work that, that while it's very personal, at the same time, you also bring about a sort of community awareness. And I think like this poem also speaks to this where it's like, yes, it's a personal poem, but at the same time, it's also like very much commute. Cause like, for instance, I live in the hood in the West side of San Antonio, I live in a food desert and food scarcity and the problems we have here are very similar to your piece. And it's like, this is something that maybe we don't talk about enough. And I just kind of, I guess my question is, is how much does community awareness sort of uh, um, present itself in your work? That's such a great question. So um, two things come to mind. Um, so what, one of my poetry teammates and like best friend, Kenneth something, he talks about this approach to poetry where it's like, you're talking about a macro subject, but from a micro perspective. And I mm -hmm. find myself doing that a lot in my work. Whereas, you know, for this poem, I'm talking about a very personal situation with my mom. She was actually in the hospital for diabetes and was like in denial about why she was there. And that's what like spurred that poem. But for me, it was bigger than that because there is so like diabetes is so prevalent in the black community, especially with black women. It's like this poem speaks to this larger concept for me. And so that's just the way that I approach my poem, my poetry in general. I also I, I'm, I'm very much so a social justice kind of poet. So it's like most of the things I'm writing about, there is some awareness component. There is some, I'm trying to motivate people or change people's perspective or just make them aware about something, raise their awareness about something that they may or may not have known. So yeah, that's pretty much my style. Mm. And you and you and you do it so well too, because it's it's almost like a clickbait sort of thing. Like I'm gonna lure you in, and then <laughs> here's the message, and it's like, oh, I wasn't ready for that, but I'm, I'm gonna take it. it. I'm gonna take it. Um, and and I and I feel like that happens a lot in kind of like uh, you know we you mentioned uh, we mentioned Slamageddon, uh y'all's team and y'all style is like there's always a, a, a social message to it. It is very poignant. Uh, but in a way that like you, you sometimes don't expect the point to hit you the way it hits you, right? Yeah. Uh, and so like you've been on Slamageddon for a few times, uh, uh, a number of years. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, at least every time that I've seen you on the team, you have been the only female voice on that team. You know, so much so to y'all did a group piece where all the boys went up talking about female empowerment and you were like, excuse me, I'm right here. Can I talk for myself? Uh, so I'm curious, you know, like what was th those experiences like, you know, did you have to put the boys in check sometimes? Like how important is that female voice in that group? You know, uh, because obviously it's crucial. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. Um, there has been, I think two other times where um, I was not the only woman. So um, my mentee Mecca, has been on the mm. team with me. And then um, there was also another poet who only was on the team once um, named Nakia. Um, and she was, this was our first, first year um, performing as a team. We, this was when um, Nats was in Oakland um, mm. and she was on the team. But other than that, yes, it's just me. <laughs> mm. And it's funny because the guys will tell you, they're like, 
yeah, she's the only woman, but she's the most aggressive energy on the whole team. Like, <laughs> and I feel like I have to be that way because it's just so much masculine energy. I gotta like fight for my space. Um, but it's, I mean, it's cool. Like, there, there are my big brothers. Like, it's, it's a family environment. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I almost feel like it would be weird if it wasn't that dynamic. I'm so used to it now. Um, I think more importantly, though, we have really. Um, compatible writing style. So like group mm -hmm. pieces come together so well because each of us bring different energy writing styles to the table. Um, like we have this, um, we have this poetry or I guess this approach to describing different poetry elements in Baltimore. And so we use like um, elements to describe it. So like some people are considered like water poets versus fire versus mm -hmm. earth versus wind. And on our team, different people have different elements. So it makes writing group pieces really easy and, mm. and and their personalities makes it easy. So more than just the gender balance, I think we have like this really interesting writing balance that really makes the team work. So it doesn't feel that weird that I'm the only woman. Mm. No, 100%, I can totally see what you mean. Like the one thing that's always stood out the most to me about Slamageddon is, is like, I've seen other teams, for instance, that have like won Nats and stuff like that. And they, the group pieces are always tremendous, like in these competitions. Y'all's aren't just group pieces. There's also like a harmony to it that's just like, I still, I, I, I think I remember like a team snow team a long time ago where it's like that same similar, just like, like you said, the elements just coming together and, and, and working fluidly. Um, I guess my question for you is, uh, kind of on this similar topic, but a little bit changing gears is because you guys go around and y'all are always a unit and I love seeing y'all together. Um, and I guess my question is when you go out to these competitions, like what do you see yourself sort of representing first and foremost as like a representative of Baltimore, of poetry, of something else when you're like an artist and you're in these like competitive spaces or even if you're just out touring and stuff? Huh, that's an interesting question. I don't know that I've ever asked myself that, but I guess... Um, Baltimore is probably first. Um, we're, we're, we're very Baltimore. Like we go represent Baltimore till we die as a team. <laughs> um, I think also, and this is kind of happenstance, but we all came to the slam team as members of do more Baltimore. That's the umbrella organization. So our shirts always say do more Baltimore mm -hmm. because that's the organization that we all represent it. And it really, for many of us kind of, um, either trained us or introduced us into the larger like slam network. Um, and so in some ways we're all also representing do more our mm -hmm. adult and our youth team. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Can you, can you, for those who are unfamiliar with what do more Baltimore is, can you just give us like a brief overview of like what that oh, organization yeah. is and what they do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do more Baltimore is a um, grassroots nonprofit um, that, uh, we create, you know, what we call social justice poetry clubs from middle school. Well, yeah, from middle school on up to high school. We also have some alternative sites. Um, for instance, I did a club in a youth prison. Um, we do libraries, et cetera, alternative sites. Um, and the idea is really to use the literary arts as a way to increase sort of civic engagement and decrease apathy in our communities, especially via our young people um and so there's a multifaceted kind of approach there but it's an amazing organization and i love the way that it creates a pipeline for young poets to be introduced to the idea of having their art be you know their full-time viable like job right and 
some of our young people, they don't know any other job other than poetry. <laughs> so it's, it's a great experience. That's so amazing. Um, let's let's talk about your work with the youth just a little bit more. You know, like uh, you just mentioned right now, your work with Do More Baltimore. Uh, you are also the cultural curator for Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle. Um, you've coached many a poetry slam team, both youth and adult. You know, why is is this work with the youth such a big passion for you? To be honest, when I was a youth poet in Baltimore, I had so many people pour into me. Um, it just makes sense. Like it, it was the experience that I had and I want to be able to, to provide that for young people who are interested in doing that same work. Like um, Slankston was actually one of the people that like was on the scene when I was young and he was coming and teaching in like my high school, um, Oldest Butterfly, another poet who also now runs do more but was another like person on the scene that i looked up to and was the reason that i was able to perform because she was creating spaces for youth poets to exist right um even kenneth like even kenneth um i met him when i was actually a youth poet um and so i just had so many amazing people like sort of pouring into me uh, and allowing me to be able to perform and making it clear to me that poetry was a pathway to like success and I didn't have to aspire to be a doctor or lawyer. I could want to be a poet and that was okay. And mm -hmm. so I just want to be able to create those same opportunities. And I believe that, you know, you gotta like, if, if you got that opportunity, it's now incumbent upon you to do the same. Mm. Each one to each one. Yeah. <laughs> Simple. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's all. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, with that, could we actually switch gears and have you grace us with another piece? Yes, I'm nervous. Am I choppy? Like, no, you're cool. I'm not. No. Oh, okay, okay. We're good. I'm not nervous anymore. All right, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you are flowing. You're good. Okay, perfect. All right, so I'm gonna do this next piece, right? But I don't really have the voice, so y'all gonna bear with me. But it's, it, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I probably should have had some water, but let's do it. This piece is called Many Men. <clears throat> um, yep, that's all I wanted to say. It's called Many Men. Let's get into it. <laughs> all right. Many men. Many, 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 many men. Wish death upon me, Lord, I don't cry no more. Don't look to the sky no more. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on my soul. Somewhere my heart turned cold. Have mercy on many men. Many, 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 many men. Wish death upon me. The scent of a slow murder is not sweet. It's toxic in this jungle of concrete where men build chemical plants instead of planting trees. Industrial incinerators burn my nostrils till it bleeds in my hood. The baby's got asthma and it hugs their lungs so tight. It's like men be bearing arms against windpipes so we can't breathe easy. The school system strangled my soul and snuffed my spirit. The ghost of white men annihilating the living. Textbooks attempt to erase my ancestors' face as if we never existed. And still, I learned to speak 
the truth which is a death sentence punctuated with puncture wounds. We so holy forever on the fence of heaven's gates because America's been plotting on our plot since we got here. We already the walking dead and this is the slow rot, the broken heart with heart disease, health systems and failed us, so we dying of organ failures. Doctors ready to grim reap what they've already sown because it's money in my sutras. America's in love with dead bodies like a karma sutra, but Mr. Backlash gets karma, don't suit ya. The policies of dead presidents kill black residents to make more dead presidents, whether by caskets, cotton, or locked in. We stripped of blood and bone and they headline the spin. They ban the right to abortion, criminalize this womb and cause it cemetery, forcing black mamas to produce black babies while simultaneously lowering our children's life expectancy. We be drowning in poverty. So retirement plans be working to death. And we can't even eat healthy, fresh food, a mirage that I can't see, cut off from the grocer, so we're the only ones left to be butchered, searching for peace. But it seems that men only want me in pieces. Many men, many, 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 many men wish death upon me. Blood in my dog and I can't see. I'm trying to be what I'm destined to be. And they just want to take my life away. Many men, many, 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 many men wish death on me. Thank you so much. Thank you. We do not own the rights to that song. Just in case, I do not. That, just in case 50 wants to come sue us later. No, no, no. <laughs> um, thank you so much for that. That was that was incredible. Um, yeah. Something I, I, I noticed about that piece, particularly with sort of your critique of systems uh, that, that specifically a lot of individuals and specifically young individuals have to have to battle through every day and kind of a powerful critique of, of the education system. Um, kind of cycling back a little bit to what we were talking about with how you deal with the youth. I guess one of my questions is, is like, in your experience, how has dealing with the youth and teaching them poetry gone against kind of what you've seen and what they deal with in the traditional education system or school system? Yeah, I think one of the things is oftentimes when we think about the way that schools work, right, they work in a way in which you are taught how to be a citizen. And this has nothing to do with critical thinking. This has nothing to do with individuality. This has nothing to do with, um, you know, trauma-informed learning or culturally significant like uh culturally specific um learning tools or any of those things right you're taught how to be a citizen which is devoid of all those things but using art especially poetry is a way to infuse a lot of those things that are currently missing right in the way in which we engage um in our in our educational practices and so it allows students to unpack in a healthy way the baggage that they come into the classroom with it allows them to explore identity it allows them to um connect to like larger issues that you know in in, in many ways you may be introduced to in the classroom but you don't find the ways in which it really connects to you um 
lastly, I'll say that particularly with um, Do More Baltimore, we, we encourage students to explore their own agency and how they can use their art form mm -hmm. to really transform their community, right? Um, and that is an empowering thing. Um, and it especially is useful when thinking about art because people talk about art as if it's a privilege, like, weak, not powerful thing, right? And we, and, and that's not the way that we look at poetry. That's not the way that we look at art. So it's, I think it's really useful um, as a tool to teach students um, their, their own power. Yeah, it's the, the idea of, of art as activism. As mm -hmm. Somebody coined the word somewhere, artivism, yep. right? Uh, and there are definitely organizations out there kind of doing things to, to empower teaching artists uh, and, and teachers themselves to infuse their lessons with with more activism, right? Um, because it, it's a multi-tier process, right? You have to help the person find their voice first, but then once they have found their voice, how do they use their voice to impact change? Yeah. Right. Um, so let me, I wanna go back to the poem in a moment, uh, but let me, so then where do you find that you've, you've kind of been most, most kind of like successful or impactful in doing that kind of work? You know, uh, you've definitely worked with all age groups uh, you've worked in the school, outside of the school. Like, where do you find that is like you are you are impacting the youth the most? You know, like and really reaching. Hmm. So that is an interesting question. I will say, um, one of the things for Do More in specific, in particular, is there is also this sort of mentor component, mentoring hmm. component that is a part of the organization as well. So let's take like. For example, my relationship with Mechamorphosis. I met Mecca when she was um, in high school at Western High School in Baltimore. Um, she she was jealous of one of her friends being in the poetry club, so she joined the poetry club. She had no interest <laughs> in poetry, y'all. Mecca, who is so you know renowned as a poet, yeah. had no interest in poetry at all. She was just jealous of her friend. And through a you know this mentoring relationship that I built with Mecca. I was able to really cultivate um, this like powerhouse of a poet. And Mecca has done so many things via, you know, artivism or, you know, building new sort of institutions really in Baltimore. Like she had the only poetry based like radio show in the city. She had uh, the only youth poetry open mic in the city for a while. Like, and I think that it was, the, the mentorship relationship and her being able to have a direct connection to a professional artist that helped to build that, like who she is. And I know that that's like one individual relationship, but I think that the kind of, that kind of relationship is where I feel like it's most impactful. Having yeah. that really deep, really, you know, impactful personal relationship with a young person that helps to fan that flame and put them on a path to, to find their own greatness. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's kind of like something I thought about the other day because we're kind of working on something similar here, and it's sort of. I think you, the universe is just funny because it puts people in your life at just like the right times, and it's just really fantastic. Like having this conversation with you at this moment, um, I feel like what you're saying too is it's this kind of like debunking this notion of sort of like community as like a hierarchy or even like 
um, you know, these community organizations where it's like there's a mentor-mentee relationship and it's built like that, but it's also more like a round table. It's like every the young people have to come to know themselves in these spaces and learn about their own emotional uh, maturity and develop, and, 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 and it has to be more of a, a holistic and symbiotic relationship than yep. just, I'm in charge, this is what we do, until the next person's in charge, and then they decide what to do, and so on and so on and so forth. And and I just say that just to give you like props and kudos because it really does sound like you have such a really amazing ecosystem that just feeds into itself and like you said this pipeline of growth and and it's just you know kudos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I won't take all the credit. Um, absolutely, shout out to Ken and something. And sure. The, uh, yeah. No. Founders of the organization, but yes, it's an amazing, Everybody. amazing organization. Yes. It Love is. it. So let's talk about the other work that you do in your community. Uh, we mentioned in your bio, you're the executive director of the Pennsylvania Avenue Black Arts and Entertainment District. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing a little research on that. Uh, and to, to my very limited understanding, it is a district that many, 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 many moons ago was a blossoming uh, district for black people in Baltimore and through a for lack of a better term, series of unfortunate events, you know, kind of like fell fell off for that. And your work is in trying to revitalize that and bring it back. Can you talk about, uh, you know, that district specifically and what you guys are doing there? Yeah, um, so you're right. Um, Historic West Baltimore, uh, specifically Pennsylvania Avenue was a place that has a really storied legacy of like um, black excellence through arts, through culture, through entertainment, right? It, it was a stop on the Chitlin circuit, which was a you know more infamous, infamous ring of theaters that were amenable to like black performing artists. Um, and so we had a stop in Baltimore on Pennsylvania Avenue. Some of the greats like you know Billie Holiday, Thurgood Marshall, um, so many like grew up in that area. Um, so many performing artists came through that area, right? And um, but you're talking about a time frame that's like the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, right? And that series of unfortunate events, AKA racism and systematic oppression (laughs) (laughs) leads to the decline um, of Pennsylvania Avenue and many parts of historic West Baltimore. Um, You know, there were riots in 68 with Martin Luther King and then riots in 2015 with Freddie Gray, literally the same area, right? Um, And so we, definitely look at that legacy and we applaud it in Baltimore. Everybody knows about it. Everybody talks about it. Um, And in 2018, it was just the perfect kind of time for community artists and residents and stakeholders to get together and go through a process to actually designate this area as an arts and entertainment district, which is a program that exists in Maryland um, to create sort of cultural destinations, right, Mm -hmm. in the city to bring about economic development and revitalization. Um, For us, it was important for it to be considered a black district, which is the only one of its kind in Maryland and one of few across the nation, right? To be a cultural district that is specific to black people. You got your Chinatowns of the world, you got your little Italy's of the world, you got a whole bunch of cultural districts, but most of them are not black. And so that was important to us because of the legacy of Pennsylvania Avenue and because Baltimore is still um, almost 70% black, right? So it made sense. And so in 2019, we were fortunate enough to be designated as um, an arts and entertainment district. We became our uh, sufficient, uh, self-sufficient nonprofit um, in 2020 and then COVID, Um, So we have been trying to (laughs) reinvent ourselves before we were even invented. 
uh, during this time. But it's been it's been an amazing time. Our work is really focused on celebrating, supporting, and promoting Black creatives, particularly those who are in Baltimore. Um, we do not have any particular focus on any genre. We really just want to support the creative community and help to build the arts ecosystem in Baltimore and also advocate for more cultural equity in the city, right? Because it's a Black city, but in the way in which money flows and the way in which resources flow and the way in which opportunities flow, it is not to the benefit of the beautiful mm -hmm. black creative scene that exists in our city. So that's our work in a nutshell. Um, we do a lot of events, we do a lot of programming, we provide support as we can and we're building, right? We're still a baby organization, but we're building. Um, we got ourselves a little staff, um, you know, building our little budget and doing too much because trying to have two national slams uh, six months apart from each other, listen, we don't have no chill. But it's, a, it's amazing. It's amazing work. <laughs> we talked about it at the top of the show, multifaceted poets. Are we insane? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Or are you just like a workaholic? Because I'm kind of the same way. I would call myself a workaholic. Like I, if I'm not working, like I don't know how you feel about this, but like I can't really take long breaks because then I feel guilty. I'm like, yeah, I should be doing literally. I literally I have a, a status on Facebook. I was like, can somebody teach me like how to go on vacation and like not send work emails? Like I'm at the airport. Like okay, I'm about to get on my flight, but let me just send this last email mm -hmm. to my administrative assistant. So yeah, I, I I would not have called myself a workaholic before starting this organization, but I think mm -hmm. there there is something about being the founder and executive director of a thing. It's like your baby and you just feel like you have to do everything to make sure it doesn't die. The baby can't die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it has made me a workaholic workaholic, but it's it's it feels like so fulfilling that I don't feel burnt out because it's the work I want to be doing and it's mm -hmm. the work I feel called to and it feels so purpose driven that it's like I'm always on a purpose high. So it's okay that I don't have a social life because I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we we are both 100% on that train with you. <laughs> it's a horrible and amazing thing all at the same time. <laughs> I, I guess it's like a sort of follow up, like now that you kind of have this project and it's, it sounds amazing. So again, a round of applause to you for that. You. Um, does that like stifle, I don't know, maybe stifle is not the right word because this is like a good thing and you enjoy doing it, but has it like affected your creative process a little where it's like, it's you don't have the time to write as much or- Great question. How's that going for you? No, that's a Balance. really great question. It does. I, mm -hmm. I think that it will always be a trade-off, right? Like if you are putting your heart and soul in one, it means that you have a little less heart and soul for the other, that's just true. But I made a commitment to myself because I said the reason why folks wanted me to be the executive director is because they saw the work that I was putting in as an artist. And they're like, of course she can run an arts district because she's this amazing artist. So it would I would be remiss if I didn't continue to do the art that everybody believes in me for, right? So what I told myself is, okay, I know we're not producing as much as we were, but I had I told myself you have to keep slamming. You have to keep like doing your commission poetry gigs because that means you're still writing. When I'm on a slam team, it's no, I don't have a choice but to write. If I'm on a team, I'm writing, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, I have to keep signing up for things. I have to keep saying yes. Now, I'm not going to write as much as I was before, but at least I'm not going to stop writing and I'm not going to stop performing. And to be honest, um, over the last year, I've gotten some really amazing opportunities that are like 
bigger than what I had when I was not running this um, institution. So I think that it's starting to feed into each other. Some people are finding me because I'm an executive director and artist. And so it's like creating new, different executive opportunities. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love it. I, I, I love the pivot to, to, to talk about the, the work and the art again, because uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the just the poems that you shared today uh, so far, because obviously we're familiar with your work from before today. Um, but in the two that you shared today, there's there's such a rhythm to to your work, right? Um, there's there's a flow, there's there's a beat to it. Uh, and we had Black Shocker on here last year. He talked about, you know, like a lot of his influence was like battle rappers and the MCs of back in the day. So I'm curious, what are your influences? Because there is a clear, distinct voice coming through. Yeah. Uh, and I'm curious what has influenced that voice. It's such a great question. I don't know if I've pinpointed it yet. Um, I think, cause I'm, I, a lot of people tell me I sound real like hip hoppy. I'm actually not like, Black Shock will tell you, we, we would watch battle rap together and like write poems. But that was like a thing that I started doing just with him. It wasn't my <laughs> natural influence. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think there there is a musicality to it. And I will say like my appreciation for like soulful sort of R&B, whatever is a part of it. But mm. honestly, I think it's also the church. I grew mm. up in the church and I really feel like it's like straight up Sunday sermon coming through in some places yeah. and like the rhythmic preacher vibe. Cause I have mm -hmm. all my aunties are, are, are um, ministers. And I think that might be a big influence that I don't give enough credit to. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I don't I'll know where I found the voice at, but it's it's the voice. <laughs> I, I'll I'll take it because yeah, there's there's your your wordplay and and where you place your rhymes. You know they're they're not expected. Uh, the way you twist things up, it's just uh, apparently woo woo. I don't know who woo woo is, but woo woo says I can tell. Yes, so that that church voice is very All much right. uh, for prevalent it. there. <laughs> Yes, it's coming through. It's coming through. And uh, just to kind of touch back on something you said. So you, correct me if I'm wrong, you are now planning and strategizing for like women of the world, right? And like other yeah. So we, we are bringing women of the world poetry same to Baltimore. So I, you know, it was beautiful to be able to win. Um, and then um, Candy said that she was putting it down, right? That she was done curating it. And I'm like, Oh, it's time. Like this is this is the time when I actually feel like we have the resources and the capacity and all the things to bring it to Baltimore. It's happening. And so yeah, now um we are planning to um, you know, have Wouts twenty twenty two in Baltimore, Maryland. It's gonna be great. Yes. Not just not just that, but your organization, uh the Black Arts District is also uh curating uh the first uh, Stonewall International Poetry Slam, specifically for non-cisgendered, non-heterosexual poets yes. uh, to have their own festival. Yes. Um, yes, so yes, that yes. is also in the works. It's uh, happening, yes. That's happening actually in October. So if anybody's listening and you're a non-cishet poet and you want to sign up, we have 10 slots left. So you should jump on it. Look up Sips Fest on social media, Instagram, you know, you should sign up. It's a thing. It's a vibe. It's going to be amazing. It's it's going to be incredible. Uh, we've already seen the line of poets who have uh, signed up to compete. Yeah. We've also seen the line of, of poets who have signed up to host workshops. 
ding, among others. Um, and I think you guys just recently released that Icon is going to be hosting Final Stage. Like it's a vibe. It's it's a whole ass vibe. So we're yeah. we're going to celebrate that and thank you, uh, you Kenneth something and the rest of your alt team uh, for putting that together. We can't wait to see that happen. Um, so I guess that kind of leads, you know, because since, what was it? 2018, was that the year? Since 2018, the like national poetry scene has just kind of been a little bit of a free for all. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so you've seen things like, uh, like Southern Fried in 2019 was just kind of huge because it was one of the biggest events that was happening. You've mm -hmm. seen like Candy took up Wowps and just kind of like did her own thing in Dallas and was like, well, if nobody's doing it, then then we're doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys have started the the uh, Sips Fest. Uh, you're doing Wowps next year. So like what that might kind of clue us into kind of how you feel about the current semi-fractured nature that the national poetry scene is going through. Like kind of what are, what yeah. are your thoughts on that? I think that um, it happens, things ebbs, ebbs and flows, right? And I think that um, there was a lot of criticism of the former structure, um, some, some very valid. Um, but what I do know is that there are a lot of curators and um, poets who have the skills to recreate something that can learn from the past PSI, the past um, national organization to create something better um, because we all love the national community dearly. And I don't think that we're gonna go too much longer just kind of in this flux and free for all. But I do think this is kind of us, you know, being reborn from the fire, from the ashes, and we'll see the development of a new a new body right and it's not going to be the same but i know that it's happening um especially because there's so much younger sort of talent and curators who are picking up the uh, the slams and saying okay nobody's doing it i'm gonna do it in my city or nobody like it's happening right and so that just to me is a nod to a, a new day that's coming for national poetry mm -hmm. Well, we can't wait to see it. We are so excited about the work that you all are doing in Baltimore. I will be there in October. Um, super excited uh, to see how that plays out and next year's WALPS. Um, so thank you for all your organization is doing to just keeping keeping the torch lit, not, not to do an Olympic reference. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, <laughs> but keeping the torch lit and, and keeping it going. Um, so we are excited for what the future brings as long as we've got uh, can organizers like yourself uh, that refuse to let it die and uh, that not just refuse to let it die, but continue to cultivate the people after us that will. Word. Damn it, I'm going to say it again. Keep that torch lit. Um, <laughs> We're just going with it at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this has been a really great hour of conversation. I absolutely enjoy getting to know you and the work that you do a little deeper. We would be amiss if we did not uh, ask you to please just close us out with one more poem. Let's do it. All right. I feel like my first two poems were like on the more serious side. So we're going to end. None of my poems are not serious. I don't know why I said that, but it's the lighter side of seriousness. So um, this poem is entitled Dating App. All right. For the men on OKCupid, okay
BLK or insert other whack dating apps that got me fucked up on the Tuesday night one. It's called a dating app. So stop being so surprised when she actually wants to go out on a date wanting dinner does not make you a gold digger, I figure. Since you are clearly trying to put something in my mouth, it might as well be a meal and ain't you using a free version? So you obviously a cheap person too. Netflix and chill does not constitute a date. You probably using someone else's account anyway. Plus, I binge better by myself. So you looking like an LG and I'd rather watch my own TV3. Stop being creepy. There is no punchline here. Some of y'all are just mad suspect and I guess no one has told you yet. So yeah, you're creepy and you should work on that for arrogance is not sexy i know the world handed you privilege wrath and masculinity made your ego a puffer fish and your skin teflon thick so you hear no and it translates into try again so you offer me misogyny as pickup lines take my silent distance as a starting line for a race to get my attention loving the chase despite the fact that i am really running away five when a touch screen is the only connection we have made. Please do not pretend you are my man. My vagina is not for lease, which means it will only ever belong to me. So no, you don't get to ask if I'm talking to other dudes, especially since I barely talk to you. The good morning messages you toss into multiple inboxes like a 13-year-old paperboy is not impressive. You cannot ask as if I wear your last name when you literally don't know my my last name, a swipe right, is not synonymous with ownership, six. Dating apps do not come with a get some booty guarantee, seven. If getting to know someone is too much to ask, delete yourself and your profile. Sidebar, four lines that a rapist, a kidnapper, and a random guy on a dating app will all use in common, A. Let's get some drinks and go back to my place, B. Come sit in my car, C. Come here, girl, I know you want this, D. I can't wait to get you all alone. And the point here is that we are two complete strangers connected only by a digitized algorithmic pair and a half-filled questionnaire. So your attempts to get me alone feel the same as a predator with eyes of stone and hands that only know smash and shatter. Ready to leave a survivor with only a broken wheel and eye. Have watched too much criminal minds and law and order SVU today because like I said I binge better by myself so the answer to all of your unwanted invitations will always be hell no because single it don't mean desperate it means I have standards see I be a real woman so if you're looking for less pushback I suggest something inflatable because this mouth loves a hot meal a matte lip and talking shit that's that poem. <laughs>
anything like that. Yes. So if you're looking for me on social media, I am Lady, the letter B, Speaks on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, if you're looking to uh, purchase some work or see more about me, my website is ladybrion.com. Brion spelled B-R-I-O-N. Um, ladybrion.com. And then what else? Oh, if you want to send me coins because you like my poems today, um, it is dollar sign Lady Brion on Cash App and Venmo. No dollar sign on Venmo, just Lady Brion. But yes, those are all the things. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. Once again, thank you so much for being on here. I'm glad we finally were able to make this happen. We are all the better for it. And so is everyone that comes in contact with you and the work that you do. So keep on keeping on, friend. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, y'all. Yeah, Rooster. Chibi. You know what? We were we were talking earlier, you know, because we got a project that we're working on. That's kind of slow moving and all that. But I feel like after today, I just feel like reinvigor after this conversation, I feel reinvigorated to like do the work because the work matters, because the work is not about us, it's about the community and the people out there and everything that's happening and just creating space and opportunity for other people. So I am my fire is lit. Lit. I feel like and I, I will be sending you seven emails tomorrow morning. <laughs> I, I look forward to not answering them until 2 p.m. But I appreciate it. No, it was, it was, it, I mean, it's remarkable. And it's like, I mean, I think the word that comes to mind is just, you know, a dynamo. Like Lady Brienne is someone who, uh, it, it's so easy, I guess, for poets to just kind of live behind just their words and sort of just, you know, produce art at, for art's sake. And, you know, it, that just enough in, in and of itself being brilliant and, and while uh but then to also be a poet who is also so active in the community and sort of you know cherishing the the the, the communities by, that you know we come from like that's always going to be something that, that we champion and love here uh in san antonio on this show and just in our hearts absolutely and speaking of communities you and i got a slam to get to a little later tonight so let's thank some people let's share some info and let's get out of here and get ready to go throw some poetry down First off, thank you so much to the audience. If y'all have uh, no idea who we are, we welcome for coming for the first time. If you know who we are, excellent. Thank you and come back next week as well. Absolutely. And whether you've been here before uh, or this is your first time, if you want to catch more information about the shows that we got going on and things like that, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter. Our handle is at words and shh. On both of those, uh, full disclosure, we're more active on Instagram, but that's okay. True. And if you're interested in catching past episodes with other amazing poets and writers, uh, you can find Words and Shit on YouTube and podcast platforms, be it Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you may be. There are over, I think at this point, 65 episodes, people. We've been doing this for a hot minute. We definitely have had some of your favorites on here, or we've had some people that you don't know about uh, that will quickly become your favorites. So definitely go check them out. Like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you can. As soon as we get 100 subscribers on YouTube, I can change our URL. Please, people, go subscribe on YouTube. Uh, but in any case, next week, we will be back. Uh, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. for our first double feature in over a year. I am so excited for this. We're having a couple of best friends on here, uh, uh, acclaimed writers, poets, 
Chen Chen and Sam Herschel Wine will be joining us here next week. I hope to see you here uh, with us uh, because this is going to be, I've seen these two together. This is going to be just a ball of fun and mess and so much great poetry. So until then, uh, we'll see you then. Uh, Y'all stay safe out there. Adios, y'all.